Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me invite you to take your Bible and go with me to Exodus. Exodus chapter 32 this morning. And as you're doing that, I have a I was afraid I was going to have a confession to make uh, to you this morning. I got done with the announcements and realized I didn't have my Bible. I thought, well, I had it a few minutes ago. I thought, well, did I leave it in my office? And so I've spent the last 15 minutes trying to figure out where my Bible was. Then I thought, well, I'll just get up with a pew Bible. I can do that. And then I looked, and it was on this end of the pew. So I found my Bible. So uh, it's, never, it's probably never a good idea for the preacher to get up and go, I, have, I don't, can't find my Bible. So anyways. Hey, we're in Exodus uh, chapter 32 today. And I, I want to talk about this tug of war we have in life. Uh, lots of times we go through this tug of war of trying to figure out how do we live in this world? Uh, how do we how do we how do we live in a holy world or in an unholy world with a holy God? Let's put it that way. And so we find ourselves just this tug of war, and, and, and our tug of war really is is this. It is is against two things: sin and our selfishness. And we we understand that. And yet we struggle with God and God's will. Or you could say God's, God's law or God's obedience or God's commands. And, and what happens is we find ourselves trying to figure out what to do. Now there are certain things we understand, we, we know, and, and we can agree on easily. For example, we, I hope everyone in this room could say, we understand that murder is wrong. That according to God and his will, we should not murder. And and if I was asked everybody in the room, who has an issue in wanting to kill somebody? Uh, Back up. That probably, there might be some marriages here. but, But you didn't get the point. But then there are other things that we get caught in between. And, and for a long time, we, we've been over here. For example, uh, marriages. We know that the scripture teaches that a man should leave his father and mother and they should cling to his wife. And we hold to that truth. And we believe in the sanctity of marriage until one of our kids get a divorce. And we, well, may, maybe we're a little more this direction. We live in a world, and the Bible tells us how we, are to, how we are to handle our money. And yet, it was a little different time back then. They didn't have keeping up with the Joneses. They didn't have all the things we got to pay for. Our, you know, between our Netflix uh, expenses, our Spotify, our XM radios, our satellite dishes, you know, just our subscriptions alone, we got to kind of hold on to some money. I, I, know, I know what scripture teaches about giving God 10%, but really God, you, I mean, church is doing okay, so 
we stand over here. And you can take that and you can find yourself being pulled back and forth on all subjects. Dating relationships, what, what should you do, shouldn't you do? Business ethics, what, how you are to live, and you can argue, well, but, but you know, it's a different time and age. Last week, we, we talked about the Sabbath and remembering to keep it holy, and, and yet we, we decide that we're, we've got to run our business on Sunday because we're just not making it. But yet, when we look at other companies who do close on Sunday, we see how successful they are. And I think, hello. So this morning in, in Exodus 32, I've entitled the message, Don't Have a Cow. Because I think we have way too many cows in our life. And I've really wanted to use the Chick-fil-A all week, the, their, their billboards that say, eat more chicken. But I don't know, but I think we need to take whatever approach we need to do to not have a cow. And this morning, as we look at Exodus 32, let, let me just say this to you up front. This text here, Yes, it's a little bit of the history of Israel, but it's also the history of you and me. What they wrestle with, while we don't wrestle with bowing down, as the video said, to images or statues, we, we wrestle with bowing today. For you see, anything we put before God is an, is, is an idol, is a sacred cow. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you stand as we look at Exodus chapter 32? We're only going to look at the first six verses. When the people saw Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron replied, take off the gold earrings or gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into the image of a calf. Then they said, Israel, these are your gods who has brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built the altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they rose and offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down, eat and drink, and got up to party. You may be seated. Moses has gone back up to, to encounter the Lord. And he's been gone for some time. And all of a sudden, the people of Israel decide, well, I don't know if he's coming back. He didn't tell us what his agenda was. He didn't tell us what we, if he, he may have gotten tired of us. We need somebody to lead us. We need a God. And so they go to Moses' number two. 
Aaron, hey, would you make us gods? Here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. When God is no longer our top priority, sin steps in and we make something else our God. Would you let that sink in for a moment? When God is no longer our top priority, sin steps in and we make something else our God. The question we have to wrestle with today is, is God your top priority? Is God your top priority? No, hear me. When God's your top priority, you're not, you're not pulling this way. You're going this way. So let me unpack a few things for you this morning. Let me give you three things that when you have a cow. Now, I use that illustration because that's what they did. They made a cow to worship. So when you have a cow, these things happen. Number one, God is forgotten and bad decisions happen. When you have a cow, God is forgotten and you make bad decisions. So let's understand what sin is. Sin is disobedience to God's revealed will. So if God says, I want you to do X and you do Y, is that a sin? Yes or no? Oh, let's back up. If God says do X and you do Y, is that a sin? Yes, there it is. It, anytime you do anything outside of what God has commanded us to do, it's a sin. And, and listen, delayed disobedience is still sin. You tracking? And so when God has revealed something to you and you don't do that, you are living a life of sin. Now, here's the thing about the Israelites at this moment. They know the Ten Commandments. It's not like they're waiting for Moses to come down and share them with them. They've already heard them. They've been told, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. They are aware of that promise. They're aware that there's nothing else that they're supposed to do. And so when they come to this place and they begin to worship a cow, they have forgotten God and they're making bad decisions. Because they've moved on from God to something else. But not only are they breaking the Ten Commandments, they're breaking the promise that they kept. Promise that they said they would always do. Look here on the screen. Um, Exodus 34 tells us this, or 24, 3 says, Moses came and told the people all the commands of the Lord and all the ordinances. Then all the people responded with a single voice. What did they say? We will do everything the Lord has commanded. Now, everything, what does that mean? All things, right? Is there anything you can leave out? Y'all with me? No, there's nothing you can leave out. Everything means we'll do it all. You tell us, we'll do it all. It's like I promised my parents uh, years ago. Drew, would you do this? Just put your hands up. 
I promised my parents years ago I'd do everything they wanted me to do if they'd let me get a motorcycle. Drew, keep your fingers in your ears. I'm not going to make the same promise Nani and Papa made to me. I'll do everything. Everything means everything. Look at verse 7, same, same group, uh, same chapter. He then took the covenant scroll and read it aloud to the people, and they responded. Again, three verses later. We will do, we will do and obey the, all that the Lord has commanded. Everything. So here's the deal. They came to this place with this, this cow, and, and they began to forget about God. And when they forgot about God, bad decisions happened. When we take our eyes off God, when we start putting them someplace else, bad decisions happen. When we decide we're greater, we're, we're, we know more, bad decisions happen. And we see that over and over in Scripture. We, we, we start with Genesis with that thought process. Adam and Eve in the garden, and Eve thinks, hey, I want to be like God. Let me be God. So they take the fruit. Sarah and Abraham, my quiet time today. Sarah's not having any children. Let me take matters in my own hands. Let me do this. And so she gives Abraham her servant. And that one decision has called a lifetime of problems between Jews and Muslims. When God is forgotten, bad decisions would happen. Second thing I want you to catch in this text is selfishness is in control. When selfishness is in control, Godly blessings are wasted. When selfishness is in control, godly blessings are, are wasted. Look again at verse 2 of our text. And verse 2 says, Aaron replied, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So studying this passage this week, something jumped out to me this week. It was the selfishness that was in control that caused them to make bad decisions. They wasted God's blessings. Had you, have you ever thought about it? Where in the world did they get the gold earrings to begin with? Let me think about that for a moment. When they were in Egypt, what were they? Slaves. When you're a slave, you got nothing. You don't have gold and silver. You don't have jewelry. You have none of that. None of that is yours. But God had a plan. God had a plan when they would leave Egypt, how he'd bless them. How he would bless them in such a way that when it came time to build the tabernacle, that there would be supplies, they'd have the things they need, the resources to build the tabernacle. 
And the plan was, when you leave, you go to all these people who've held you in captivity and they'll give you the gold and silver and all the spoils and you take it. Godly blessing. They became selfish in nature and they took that blessing and they turned it in to their own use and wasted it. Have you ever wasted something? You ever bought something and realized after you bought it, why did I spend the money to do this? Why? This, this, this thing I thought was, was this great, and yet it's, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. You, do you ever get frustrated when that happens? Somebody sold you a lemon, somebody snookered you? Think of God the Father looking down on his children. He's got this plan let me bless you. And now they take that blessing because their selfishness. And that selfishness is in control. And they take that godly blessing and it's wasted. Oh, how we do that. Oh, how God wants to, to work in us and bless us. And yet we take what he's given us and we squandle it. We have to pay attention. Years ago, early in our marriage, when I say early, probably the first two years of our marriage, Pam and I lived in a house that was built in 1920. My father found it. It was actually an old church parsonage that, that uh, wasn't on the property of a church. It was down the road, and he'd found it. It really, to be quite honest with you, should have been bulldozed over and condemned. Uh, my dad walked us in and told Pam to close her eyes and he'd just say, I'll tell you what it could look like. Don't step here, we'll fall through, that kind of thing. So we're, we're living in this house. We've re, uh, you know, our deal was when we got married, Pam planned the wedding and I worked on remodeling the house. And so we haven't been married that long, and we get this thing in the mail that says, hey, if you'll come listen to us to a spill, we'll give you a free meal at Outback Steakhouse, and you can take this key and see if you win, I don't remember if it was a new car or something like that. Well, again, we're living in a house that should have been condemned. You can only imagine, when we got married, we had maybe two pennies to rub together, but that was it. So we decide we're going to run off, and it was in, in outside of Louisville. We were going to run off, and we were going to go. We could sit through anybody's spill. We're going to get a free meal, Outback Steakhouse. So we go and we listen to the spill. I won't tell you the company's name; they're still in business. I don't. I'm not opposed to the company or companies like that. Except when we got done, we sat down at the table with the man, and we said, "Listen, we're not going to buy anything." We're not buying any vacation home. Oh, no, no, just hear me out. You're going to want to do this deal. Oh, no, trust us. You to, he's in seminary. I'm working to get my master's. We, ain't, we don't even own a house. Oh, but this will be even better than owning a house. I mean, we kept saying, we've got no business buying vacation property when we don't even own a home to live in. And he kept going, oh, yes, you do. Fortunately, 
we didn't, we didn't buy. Didn't own a house, couldn't afford to buy a house. How can we afford to do something else? Um, so we, we got up, we took our, our meal ticket to, to the Outback Steakhouse. And I said, oh, by the way, what about this key? Oh, yeah, come over here and try it. I put it in, turned it, turned it and it worked, and we won a car. No, I, I wish I'd say we won a car. <laughs> that would have been a great story to say we won the car and didn't buy anything, but it did work. You know, we got to keep, I mean, selfishly, I mean, that guy poured everything out that selfishly you would want to do to be able to, oh, you could vacation here this year. You can vacation here. You can do all this wonderful stuff. Well, where am I going to live in the meantime? Sometimes when we get lost, we let selfishness take control. And when that happens, many times we just take godly blessings and they're wasted. God's got a plan and a purpose. He knew what they needed when they left Egypt, and he provided. His plan was not that they would build a golden calf with that stuff. Leads me to the third thing. When you have a cow, being like others is more important than being like God. When you have a cow, being like others is more important than being like God. Now, let me explain that. We certainly understand the, the tug of war we face in this world. Because we have people who, who are on both sides of us. And, and the, the, the thing for us is we're trying to navigate the waters and determine where is it we stand? Where is it? How do we live? How do, how do, we, how do we function in this world? Well, in our text, Israel comes to this place and they tell Aaron. Make us gods. Little g with an S. Not God. Gods. Why would they do such a thing? It's real simple. Egypt worshiped gods. And the reason it's a cow, cows were the image of their gods. If you were an Egyptian, they, they had multiple gods and multiple cows were that imagery that they used. Hathor was the god one of their gods, and it was the head of a cow. You, if you would see the image, it would just be the head. Isis was the queen of, queen of all cows. But there were multiple cows. Minwar was the sacred cow, the bull of all cows. And so there were multiple cows that they worship and it was multiple ways if if one is good multiple is better right right i mean you can eat one cheeto but a whole bag is much better right exactly my point so why have one god when we're used to hearing about all sorts of gods and they were cows. And so that's the reason Aaron says, give them to us. 
And notice, they didn't say, make us a cow to worship. Make us gods. And so Aaron takes the gold and he begins to fashion it. And what does he fashion it? What he knows. The God of the Egyptians. You see, the thing is, every time Israel runs into problems, they want to run back to Egypt. Every time they encounter a problem, they they always want to go back. We're at the Dead Sea. We're at the Red Sea. And, and, And why did you bring us out here? Is there not enough graves? Not enough food. Why, why did we come out here? We, could, we had more food available to us in Egypt. Every time there's trouble, they always want to go back. And they're always wanting to be like the others rather than be God, like God. So in this text, we find a very vivid picture of us. Because oftentimes we want to be like other people. Other times, in, in many ways, our selfishness takes over. We, we forget about God. All sorts of things in this text screams you and I. And how we live our life today. So let me give you three things that I think are our takeaway today. The first step, the first thing is, when patience runs thin, sin steps in. When patience runs thin, sin steps in. Show of hands, how many have lost your patience before? Right? I started to ask how many have lost your patience this morning, but I was afraid my wife would raise her hand. Yeah, I, I've already apologized. Um, what do you do when your patience runs thin? How do you behave? I, I, I could tell you for me, I don't think clearly. I get agitated. I get frustrated. I, I, you know, there's a reason therapists tell you in those moments you need to find yourself in a spot where you can think differently. Go outside and walk around. Ten, count to ten. Close your eyes, picture yourself someplace else. All sorts of things. Because the the reality is, when we lose our patience, we begin to do things we shouldn't do. People of Israel had lost their patience. Where's this Moses? We don't even know where he's at. They made this decision. Many a marriage has been broken because patience have run thin. People say things they shouldn't have said, do things they shouldn't have done. In that one moment, somebody is listening for the first time and they go to the next step. Jobs are lost because we don't have patience. We get mad. That list goes on and on of what happens when patients run thin. And I don't know if you've caught this, but right now in our culture, there's not a lot of patience. A lot of people 
want to respond without thinking. Act before praying. Every time that happens, sin steps in. Oh, it may not be so significant that at the end of the day your marriage is over or you've lost your job or fill in the blank. But you know, you keep adding those things up and there comes a point where the the straw breaks the camel's back. God is a God who has a plan and a purpose. And that plan and purpose is for you and I to to live and do justice, love kindness. It's not about losing patience. The second thing we're going to learn, we should learn from this text is God's way is seldom the easy way. God's way is seldom the easy way. I mean, let's be honest. When God sent them from the, from the land of Egypt, could he have put them in the promised land quickly? This means yes. This means no. Yeah, he could have done it real quickly. He could have done a lot of things easy. But he has a plan and a purpose. And that plan and the purpose is to teach us along the way. And so there are moments in our life that we, we go through difficult moments And a lot of times it's for God to teach us. You know, the old old joke is, I don't pray for patience because I'm afraid God will give them. Listen, you don't have to pray. He'll give them to you without you praying and asking for them. I asked a former pastor of mine, Question one time, I said, will God make you do anything? He goes, no, God won't make you do anything. He'll just make you willing. He'll bring you to the point where you're willing to do it. God's way is seldom easy. But when we look throughout Scripture and we see God's way, there's no better way. I mean, when we see God's people living out God's plan in the way God desires it to be, there's no there's no better plan. I mean, we, we, we see in God's plan the day stand still for God's army to conquer the enemy. We see the mouth of lions closed to protect a man. We see... The feeding of 5,000 with just some fishes and bread. Over and over through Scripture, when we see God at work and God's people living out God's plan, we see an amazing story, amazing life, but it's never easy. But it's always worth it. Third thing we catch from our text. God gives you all you need. God gives you all you need. The story of the, of the golden calf is a group of people who didn't think God gave them all they needed. 
It's a story that happened in Genesis. It's a story that happens all the way through Scripture. It's the same story that happens today. We're trying to get more. When God says, I got all you need. I got what you need. Just trust me. Just trust me. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. I got what you need. Now here's the kicker about the story. I told you we live between two things. Sin and selfishness and God and God's will. And for most of us, you may be thinking we're right here in this tug of war. One wrong step, we're this direction. One right step, we're closer. But that's not where God intends us to be. He, he never intended us to be in the middle of this tug of war. We put ourselves there. We put ourselves here because we are trying to figure out how we can put one foot in the world and one foot where God wants us to be. When God's intent is for us to be right here. As close as we possibly can be. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of Christ. That means you're as close as you can possibly be. Which means you're as far from selfishness and sin as you can possibly get. Oh, that doesn't mean you're perfect because you're going to be over here. But you know what? If you stumble and fall, you're just here. You're not over here. Because when you're over here, you begin to wonder, is there a God who even exists who knows me? Is there a God who loves me or created me? Is there a God who even cares that I'm on this earth? But when you stumble and fall and you're over here, you know God loves you. And you know you're a sinner, but you also know the grace and the mercy that can only be found right here. And you turn. So where are you at? On the scale between sin and selfishness and God and God's will, where do you find yourself on that scale? If, you, if you're a new believer, the chances are you, you're not far in your journey to be growing like Christ. But you know what? There are people who've been a new believer for 50 years because they've not been growing in Christ. The thing is, we need to grow in Christ. That means we study his word. We, we understand what he calls us to do. We understand what the Bible teaches us about relationships, about money, about, about the sanctity of life, about politics. As we learn those things, we move closer to, to God. But in our selfishness, if we say, yeah, I know that God says this, but I still believe this, and I, I don't like this, and I'm going to do it this way, the, every time we make those thoughts, innuendos, statements, whatever, however you think about it, you're moving further from where God wants you to be. So if you're here this morning, you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me just tell you where you are on your scale. You're, you're over here in the sin and the selfishness. Because you still believe that you can save yourself. You still believe that, that it's okay 
The reality is, as I've said many times, we're going to live forever somewhere. The question is, where will you spend eternity? And if you have that thought process, I can tell you it's separate from God. You'll not be in his presence. And I hope that brings you the awareness that it did that Jewish man who asked me that question years ago. In a panel discussion, he asked three ministers, and I was in it. He said, where are all my Jewish friends who died? Nobody wanted to answer that question, and I said, I can answer that question. Apart from Christ, they're in hell. Because if they don't recognize who Jesus Christ is, they don't spend eternity with the Father. That man, I watched as I told that told him that I watched him as he dropped his head knowing there were people who he knew and loved in hell if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior that's what's happening but here's the thing confession is is by admitting that God loves you and that you are a sinner that you can't save yourself but only God can It's by believing that Jesus is who he said he was, that he came on this earth and he lived a perfect life so that you can have life everlasting. And it's by committing your life to him. Committing to follow the path of Christ. That's how you come to know Christ. There's no magic words, no magic handshake. There's nothing but acknowledging, believing, and confessing. So this morning, if you're here, or if you're watching us online, and there's a decision on your heart, if you're online, we want to give you this telephone number, 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363. If you use that telephone number, we promise we'll get in touch with you. You can text, you can call. It can be a decision that you just want to pray. You need prayer over something. Maybe it's not to come to know Christ, but you're just struggling. You want prayer, you call that number or text that number, either one. Maybe there's a decision to join our church. Maybe it's another decision you use that. But if you're here in this room, in just a moment, at the end of our service, when Greg says you're dismissed, here's what I want you to do. If, if there's a decision on your heart, a prayer that you want, if there's something going on, would you just go out these doors and I'll be out there in the lobby. And I'd love to pray with you, talk to you. But if you're here and you confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then today the question you have to answer, is there anything you're putting before God? If there is, today's the day you need to repent. You need to repent that you've put your your family before God. Yes, God comes before family. You've put your country before God. You've put your finances before God. You've put whatever. If there's a decision you need to make, I'd love to talk with you. Father, in the